Okay, good to see everybody again. Glad that you're here. Hope that you've got your Bible with you. And if you do, you might open to the book of uh, 1 John. We'll be looking at 1 John here in just a moment. Uh, a couple of announcements before we get going. I'm really glad to be able to be with you this week. Uh, really glad to run into Luke again. I met him just not too long ago. I guess we'd met before, didn't realize it. Uh, but he and his wife grew up in Danville, Indiana where my brother worshipped for a number of years uh, with his son Tanner, and I guess Luke and Tanner were good buddies, and I guess I'd seen him when he was littler. And, uh, so I'm glad, I'm glad he's here. I'm glad to be able to visit with him a little bit, get to know him some better, and I'm glad the work he's doing here as well. Uh, I, I want to think with you for just a few moments this morning about First John. I've got this lesson, uh, this message called My Beloved Children. I'm a, I'm a family guy. I'm going to tell you that. I'm a family guy. I love my family. Whether it's my children or my nieces and nephews, my, my brothers and my sisters, my extended family. I'm a family guy. I love my family. Uh, and and when, I look at first, when I look at 1 John, there are, a couple, there are a couple ways that John writes to the people that are dear and precious to him. Sometimes he will say, my little children. And you'll go through the book of 1 John, and he'll write, my little children, and he'll make some comment. And other times he will say something like, beloved. And he'll make some comment after that term of endearment, after he says beloved. And so I've just got a few verses here. We're going to look at some of these in particular. But I remember thinking, I'll just give you this kind of background information. Um, when I was in Brownsburg, Indiana, doing a little preacher training there in Brownsburg for about a year, uh, the older man that I was working with at the time wanted me to do some expository sermons from a book of the Bible. And so I was only half lazy, and so I thought, well, I'm not going to pick one of them big books. I'll pick a small book, but you can't make it too small. You can't pick one of those short ones like Second John uh, that's only got one chapter. So we'll go with First John. That'll be easy, five chapters. We can work through that in just a week or two, and uh, it won't be too hard. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'll confess to you, First John is simple language. But it's, but it's difficult to outline. It is really challenging to get the point that John has because he'll talk about this, and then he weaves in this over here, and then he has a third thing, and he goes back to the second thing, and then the third thing again, the, the first thing he pulls in. It's, it's just it's a spaghetti mess. And so I've worked on that for years and years. I think, I, I think I've got a better handle on it now. But as I've worked on it throughout the years... These terms of endearment keep coming up, keep coming back. I keep thinking about it. Why does he say my little children in these verses and he says beloved in these verses? Is there something about the message here that he says children? And is there something particular about the theme of the, 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 the message that he has in these other comments? So he says beloved. And I, I, I will confess to you, I don't think it is. I really think that John simply uses these two terms and he alternates for variety's sake. Now that is not to say that the Spirit is indistinct or that the Spirit is, is arbitrary. I, I don't think that's the case. But John is writing a letter. It is a personal letter. And sometimes we, just our natural speech patterns, we'll say the same thing, we just vary it a little bit. And I think that that's what John's doing, and you can kind of go down through these verses, and it's not exactly, it's not 100%, but more, 
more than, more than just a few times, he just alternates back and forth. I really think it's the same term. He's just phrasing it in two different ways. And so, I, and so the message of the, the sermon this morning is my beloved children. It's, it's the same message in all of these verses. My beloved children. See, if I had one sermon to preach, if I had one sermon to preach, I, I want it to be this one. If my children hear one sermon from me, I want them to hear this sermon. I think I've given this sermon in about every place that I have been since I, since I first came up with this, this little outline. And I, I do promise, I, I do refresh this. I do not serve leftovers. Uh, so that, this, this is remade, this is recreated. Um, but it's, it's the same theme. And I give this about everywhere that I go. When I first started preaching at Robinson, this was the first sermon that I preached at Robinson. It was one of the last sermons that I preached up in Ohio. Every time that I've been able to do a gospel meeting someplace, whether it's out, uh, my dad preaches or works out in Omaha, and uh, he invited me to come out there, he and Jeff Hamilton. And so I, I preached out there in Omaha and places that I've been down in uh, uh, Tennessee or here in Kentucky. Uh, this, this is the message that I want to convey. If I have one message to preach, this is the one that I want to convey. Because it's what I think, this is what a get, good dad says. And now please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying because I'm the model of being a good dad. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, some of you might identify with this. I, I feel like I've just, I'm just hanging on most of the time. I don't know what I'm doing until it's done. And it's over. And then I think, man, I sure wish I had the opportunity to do that again because now I know how to do it. I'm not, I'm not a great dad. I'm not a perfect dad. Uh, I'm not as good as I want to be, but I want to be better. And so when I read 1 John, I hear the old man John, the elder, speaking to these younger in the faith, his beloved children. And it's, it's his message. It's what a good dad says. And, and really the theme that John has, the messages that he conveys to his beloved children, it's the message that our Heavenly Father, our good Father, our perfect Father, it's the message that He conveys to us throughout the Scriptures. I want to be a good dad. And so I hear what they're saying. This is what I want to say to my children. If they ever hear a message from me, this is the one that I want them to hear. This is what good parents say to their children. Good parents say, be careful. Don't they? Good parents say, be careful. I had to put this picture of uh, <laughs> doing bike jumps. You know as soon as you teach your child to ride a two-wheeler without training wheels, what do they do the next day? They build ramps, right? And you tell them, be careful, but you're secretly proud of them. But be careful, right? Be, be careful. Be careful. You've heard that before. I know you have. You had parents that told you to be careful, didn't they? They told you when you go out in the street, you look both ways before you cross that, before you cross that street. Right? Your parents told you that. And your parents told you things like, now you all be careful around the stove. I've got a gas range at home. But whether it's gas or it's an electric with burners or it's one of those scary ones that doesn't even have burners, they just it's a flat top. Uh, and you, you, you're supposed to look at the light bulb that tells you if the, the stove is still hot or not. How, how many children look at that light bulb? Be careful around the stove, right? Well, we've, we've heard our parents say these kinds of things. We've heard our parents tell us, don't you mess with that neighbor's dog. 
When we lived up in Indianapolis when I was a boy, our backyard neighbor, they had two Dobermans, I, they, a couple single girls, I guess, lived over there, uh, but they had these Doberman pincers. And I can kind of remember my dad saying things like that. Don't you go mess with them dogs. Uh, that's okay, Dad. Uh, we're not going to mess with those dogs. They're scary looking. <laughs> they were about as big as we were. No, don't go mess with those dogs. Be careful. You've heard your parents say that because that's what good parents say. Be careful. And look, isn't this what John is saying? Isn't this what the apostle is saying? Go to the book with me, if you will. Go to the book of 1 John. Go to the book of 1 John and read these, read these few admonitions with me. This is 1 John chapter 3 and verse 7, where John says, here it is, little children, little children, my beloved children, little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. What is he saying? Be careful. Or how about this next one over in the book of chapter First uh, John in chapter four, First John chapter four and verse one. Here's the other term, right? Beloved, but he says the same thing, doesn't he? Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Don't mess with those neighbors' dogs. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Good parents tell their children to be careful. And then notice the very last thing that John says in this letter. He says in verse 21 of chapter 5, Little children, guard yourselves from idols. It's, it's what good parents say to their children. And isn't this the message that God Himself gives? Back in the book of Genesis, all the way back at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2, He places Adam and He places Eve there in the Garden of, uh, the, the garden of Eden. And He tells them, of all the trees of the garden you can eat, but of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, do not eat, lest you die. Right? For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. What's He telling them? But be careful. It's a simple message. It's a message that parents have been telling their children for generations. It's the message that John says. It's the message that our Father in Heaven says. Be careful. This world's a dangerous place. It is. You know that for your children. This world's a dangerous place. There are people that are going to be driving and they don't look where they're going. And they'll run over your kid before, before they even... I think it's a speed bump. You, you care about your children. God cares about you. Be careful. This world's a dangerous place. Good parents tell their children. <laughs> I know, I know. I put this one on there this week. And I told Charlie, I, said, I, I got tickled about it. Charlie comes over. He wants to know what it was that I was laughing at. And I said, oh, you got to look at this slide, this picture I found for this slide. He comes over and I start laughing again, giggling about it. I say, every time I look at that, every time I look at that little baby, I just get tickled so much. Good parents tell their children, remember, remember, remember who you are. Now, I'll tell you, I, rem I, I can distinctly remember, maybe you had this experience as well. I remember when I was a boy, 
Uh, we'd maybe go someplace with, with church members after the services on Sunday, or we'd, we'd go visit someplace, and before we got out of the van, Dad would say, he'd turn around, you know, he didn't even look at us in the mirror, he'd turn around, get eye contact with you, and he'd say, remember who you are, which just meant, you know, don't act a fool, you know, you're representing me, so, you know, don't make me look bad. Uh, well, maybe that's not the way he would have phrased it, but he would have said that. He would have said, remember who you are. I, 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 I want to take this a bit of a different direction because I think that this is the direction that, that we find in 1 John. Uh, when I was real young and in grade school, it, it must have been something like this. I must have come home at one point uh, upset. I must have had a bad experience with a classmate or something, and I was all upset about somebody teasing me. And uh, so Dad, Dad made time and talked to me about it, and he related this story about when he was a boy, when he was in school, he came home, and he was all upset because there was this girl in school uh, who... Uh, who was making fun of him, and, and she'd tease him around the schoolyard and say, where'd you get those big ears? Where'd you get those big ears? Where'd you get those big ears? And so she, he came home to, to my grandpa. He came home to his dad, my grandpa, related all this horrific story about his big ears and these kids making fun of him. And grandpa looks down at him, his dad looks down at him, and his dad says, if anybody makes fun of you about them ears ever again, you just tell them, your dad gave you those years. Your dad gave you those years. I don't know if that connects with you, but I'll tell you, that connects with me. That connects with me. When I look at a picture like this, you may be a weirdo, but you're my weirdo. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of you. It doesn't matter what anybody says about you. You're mine. I love you. And that's never going to change. You may be a weirdo, but you're my weirdo. I'll tell you, I think that that's what John has in mind. Check this out. Is this not what he's saying? Look at, look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Oh, I think this is so powerful. Look at this. 1 John chapter 3. John says in verse 1, he says, Look at this. See? See? New American Standard begins that way. See? Look at this. How great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called the children of God. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know Him. And then here's that term of address. Beloved. Now we are. Now we are. You catch that, right? We are the children of God. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. If you're God's, all that matters is what God says about you. You may be a weirdo, but you're my weirdo. Now, I know that there, there's a textual variant here, and depending on what translation you have, that phrase, and such we are, uh, but you may not have that in your translation. It does belong. It does belong, so these modern translations that have it have not added anything to God's Word. It does belong in the text. And I think it just punctuates what's being said there. But it is a textual variant, and there's a reason why it's uh, missing in some, some manuscripts. But I'm going to illustrate, I think, what John has in mind. Uh, if you go back to the book of Galatians, there's two times where Paul uses this word, Abba, Father. 
Abba Father, and you, you may have picked up from Bible classes or sermons or TV programs, you may have picked up in the past that Abba is the Aramaic word for, for Father. And so doesn't it seem strange? Doesn't it seem strange that there are two places, one of them here is in Galatians, the other is in Romans, where Paul uses this phrase, Abba, but then he immediately translates it for us, Father. Why? Why does he say, if you translated this all into English, why does he say, Father, Father? There's a, uh, there, there is a, and I think it's a misconception, there's a misconception that Abba means something akin to uh, what little children refer to their dad as, as Daddy. Um, I don't think that that's the case. It is not this infant speak, Daddy. Uh, and I think I can demonstrate that here in the book of Galatians. Look at Galatians chapter 4. I, and I bring this up. I, I, let me, the, the reason I bring this up is because... Well, there's, it's, it's a, let, let me just explain it. Let me just explain it. Look at, look at Galatians chapter 4. So uh, here in Galatians, Paul is making a distinction between the Mosaic law and the law of Christ that we're not under the law, but we're under grace. Chapter 4 and verse 1. Notice what he says. He says, uh, and he's using, the, he's using the imagery here of Hagar and Sarah. Hagar born, bears Ishmael. Sarah born, bears the son of promise, Isaac. And so he's using these two women as, a, as examples. And he says, now I say, as long as the heir is a child... As long as the heir is a child, he's a minor. He does not differ at all from a slave. They look, you know, they play together. They, 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 they do similar things. They're the same height. They're, they're, they're the same in a lot of regards, as long as they're minors. Although the son is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father until he comes of age. So also we, while we were children, and what do children say? Children say daddy. While we were children, we were held under bondage under the elemental things of the world. What is that? I think that's the time of the Mosaic Law. But when the fullness of time came, when the date set by the Father... God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were born under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And when we're adopted as sons, are we adopted as babies? Speaking daddy? What's the point that He's making here? Because you are sons... God has sent forth His Spirit or the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This is not infant speak. That's not the point that, God, uh, that Paul is making here. I, I think it's true. I think, I think that we can appeal to God uh, with, an, with an innocent trust. Just like a little child appeals to their papa, appeals to their daddy. I, I, think, I do believe that's true. I do think that that's biblical. That's not the point that Paul's making here with this phrase, Abba, Father. What is he saying? This is the word Jesus spoke. The Son of God. 
He spoke this. This is His words. Not translated, that's His word. I think Paul's point is, look, He has adopted you, called you, and made you sons. What is it that John said? That we would be called the sons of God, and such we are. You belong to God. Again, it doesn't matter what anybody else in this world thinks about you, says about you, how they treat you, or what they ridicule you about. If you belong to God, that's all that matters. You can be weirdos, but you're God's weirdos. Good parents say to their children, be nice. Be nice to your brothers and sisters. Be nice to your brothers and sisters. I'll tell you, I don't know why my siblings even talk to me. My older sister's here today. <laughs> My older sister's here today. Um, I, didn't, I don't think I mistreated her, uh, so uh, we, we have a good relationship. Uh, but my younger, my younger siblings, I don't know, especially my two youngest ones, I don't know. I've even told Tony a few times. Tony's my youngest brother. I don't know why you even talk to me anymore. Uh, when I think about some of the things that Kevin, Kevin's my other brother, uh, things that Kevin and I used to do to Tony, I... Man, I, I don't know why, Tony, why do you even talk to us anymore? And, and Stephanie, too, my youngest sister, uh, why, why, do you, why do you even want to talk to us? I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, they can be rough with each other, can't they? Did you grow up with siblings? Did you grow up with siblings? You, do you experience this? It somewhat depends on your birth order, doesn't it, where you fall in the line. Uh, but... Uh, sometimes we tear the heads off of other Barbies. I think we might have just... Uh, amputated feet and hands off of Valerie's uh, Barbie dolls uh, and Stephanie's maybe a little bit but I, I want to tell you about this uh, slingshot um, of course I was, I was a boy when I was a boy I was all boy and uh, I like to make bows and arrows and I like to make slingshots and one day I was in the upstairs and I peeked out the window and what do you know I found there's my sister and there's my slingshot oh, yeah. you know where it goes right you know where it goes I don't know why they speak to me anymore. My, my mom, uh, I remember my mom used to tell me when we'd be picking on Tony, she'd say, look, uh, your little brother's not going to be little forever. She's right. I tell my children, you'll be nice to your brothers and sisters. You know, there may come a day in your life, and you can't imagine it right now, but there may come a day in your life where there isn't another person in this whole wide world that wants to be seen with you. You better be nice to your brothers and sisters because there may come a day in your life where the only thing you've got is your brother or sister's couch to sleep on. You better be nice to your brothers and sisters because they may be the only people in this world that will ever, ever have anything to do with you. And you'll be on the lowest part of your whole life and they'll be the ones that take you in. Ask yourself, isn't this what John is saying? Go again. 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. Here's that term of endearment I was telling you about. Little children, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. He says again in chapter 4 and verse 17. He says, Beloved... There's that other one, beloved. 
Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If you're going to be children of God, then you ought to love God's children. Love your brothers and sisters. Be nice to them. Or verse 11, he says again, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, I know, I know, I know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I know we all are compassionate and we're all caring and kind and merciful. I know, we're all loving, aren't we? I think about myself that way. You think about yourself like that, right? This is a caring church. This is a loving church. We're compassionate. We're merciful, right? Because that's the way we're supposed to be. I'm that way, right? I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd love to be... I'd love to, to help care for my grandma. My grandmas are both past. Um, oh, I'd, I'd love to be able to go over and visit grandma. Or I'd love to go over and visit grandpa. I love my grandpas a little bit more. Uh, but, I, boy, I, I, I would. If, if grandpa was infirmed, I, I, I'd, I'd take him in. I'd, I'd help him no matter what it is, uh, no matter what he's ailing with, no matter what he's struggling with. I'd help him. I, I remember when I was a young guy preaching down in, in Illinois, uh, going to a nursing home where, uh, where a, a, a woman's uh, mother was... Um, was in the nursing home and she would go over daily at the lunchtime and she would feed her mom. Her mom had Alzheimer's and she would go and she would feed her mom and her mom, you know, would kind of spit things out and, and just couldn't, couldn't, you know, it, it was just a real hassle to do it. But I think about that and I think, oh, I would love to be able to do that for my grandpa or for my grandma. I'd love to be able to do those things while I'm not having to do those things. We're all kind and compassionate as long as you don't have to be kind and compassionate to anybody because everybody else is behaving themselves. I'd love to be that way. But let me ask you, how do you feel about giving hugs to prickly people? How do you, how do you feel about giving a soft word? You know, the Proverbs talk about a soft word turns away anger. How do you feel about being soft? What is it that Paul says? Let your speech always be seasoned as if were with salt. Be gracious in the way that you speak. Isn't that what he says? To be gracious in the way that you speak? Give people better. Speak to people better than they deserve. They, res they deserve a sharp answer. Give them something better. How do you feel about hugging prickly people? How, how do you feel about speaking kindly to people that are irate and angry? Oh, I've got this image. Oh, I'd be so caring with these people that I love. But what if Grandpa just spits that in my face? I wonder if I'd go back the next day just because he's my grandpa, just because he's family, just because he is somebody that I love. You'd be nice to your brothers and sisters. That's what good parents say to their children. That's what God says to us. That's what the Apostle John says to his people. Be nice to your brothers and sisters. Good parents say, remember what I told you. <laughs> how many times have you said that to your children? How many times have you asked them, how many times do I have to tell you? Remember what I told you. Especially when they go out on their own. Remember what I told you. 
I know you've told them the millionth time. I'm sure my mom and dad felt that way too. I've told you for the millionth time. Look at what John says. Again, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 7 and 8 now. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 7 and 8. John says, Beloved, beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment, a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So which is it? Is it old or is it new? Which is it? Have you ever experienced this, some of you that are parents? Have you ever experienced this? Uh, if you're not parents, your parents experience this, I'm sure. Have you ever experienced this? You, 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 you're all worked up. The kids are being, well, they're acting a fool like we just talked about. They're, they're misbehaving. And, and, or maybe they can't find their pants or their belt or whatever it is. And, and you've, you've told them where it is. Or you've told them to go look. And they just, they, they're not finding it. And you say something. Something comes out of your mouth, but it's not you. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? Have you had this experience? And you all of a sudden realize, I've become my dad. Or I've become my mom. I, it's my mom's voice that's coming out of me. It's my, dad's it's my dad's words. Right? I can hear my dad. I vowed I'd never be. <laughs> you know, we, we all make this promise. We'll never be like that. And there it is. It pops out of us. That's what John's saying. I'm not telling you new stuff. It's the same old commandment that you've had from the very beginning. But it's new. Every time it... With every generation, it is renewed. Because now it's not mom and dad... Now it's me. It's not mom and dad's faith. It's my faith. And someday it's not my children. It's not, it's not me anymore. It's my children's. It's the next generation. It's renewed every time. It's the same old commandment, but it's refreshed. It's renewed with every generation that comes. I, I, I love this poem. I've got this little booklet at home. Uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've heard this poem before, or at least you got some idea of what it's about. I just want to read this little section about it. All I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. All I really need to know about how to live and what to do and, and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not a taught at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand pile at school, these are the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play. And work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. And when you go out into the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Remember what I told you. Good parents tell their children, I can fix it. I can fix that. 
I, there was a drawer we had at our house where all the broken toys, little broken cars, little broken dolls, all the little broken toys got put in this drawer. And eventually, when there was enough toys, I'd get the super glue out and we'd glue all the toys back together. It's okay, I can fix that. Dads do that, right? We fix things. We fix broken tires and we fix broken toys and we untie knotted up shoelaces. Dads fix things. Parents fix things. Here's a little doll somebody fixed, right? That's what we do. That's what we're about. But I'll tell you what really scares us. What really scares us are those things that we know that we can't fix. Right? That day's coming. That day's coming. There's going to be things that are going to happen. There are going to be things that are broken that dads and moms can't fix, that older people can't take care of, they can't fix. But I'll tell you what I can do. I know who can fix them. Isn't this what John is saying? Again, 1 John, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 my my little children I'm writing these things to you so that you may so that you will not sin and if anyone sins or but if anyone sins we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous Look, John's saying, look, sin is bad. Don't do it. I'm, I, you're not getting permission. I'm telling you, don't do it. Stay away from it. Be careful. We talked about that. But if it breaks, if it breaks, don't throw it away. It can be fixed. God can fix it. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Yeah, Good parents can't fix everything, but they know the one who can fix the most important things. I'm going to tell you one last thing. One last thing. Good parents tell their children, I love you. I love you. And they tell their children often, I love you. Look at what John does. You can just skim through the book of 1 John. Look at this. 2, two and verse 7. Beloved. 3 and verse 2, beloved. Verse 21, beloved. Chapter 4 and verse 1, beloved. Verse 7, beloved. Verse 11, beloved. What is he saying? He's saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Throughout this entire letter, he is appealing to them, I love you. You mean something to me. You're precious to me. You matter to me. I love you. That's what good parents say because that's what we see in John and that's what we see in our Father above. I love you. Somebody says, but, but won't it lose its meaning if, you've been, if you say it all the time? <laughs> won't it lose its meaning if you say it all the time? <sighs> I don't know who you've been talking to if that's the way you feel. Listen, I, I've heard people say those words. I've heard people mouth those words, and I've known for a fact they didn't mean it. But it has not diminished in any way whatsoever the impact that it has when it comes from people that I know truly care. It's not the repetition that makes it meaningless. 
It's the lack of meaning that makes it meaningless. Listen. My mom passed away a number of years ago. Passed away in an automobile accident. Some of you might know that. She died in a motorcycle accident south of Effingham, Illinois. Dad and mom had gone out to celebrate their anniversary and celebrated her early. That was an odd thing, I guess, for dad. And so they celebrated it early. And uh, they were coming home from eating uh, at a restaurant. And they got into an accident. And there, mom and dad's injured, but mom, mom's there, broke her neck, and and uh, is bleeding out there in the, in the highway. And I want to tell you what happened the day before that. The day before that, my mother calls me because I'm going through one of the most difficult points in my whole life. Uh, the, when I told you a moment ago about there may be come a time when, when your whole world comes crashing down around you, I'm thinking that's, that's, that's coming up. That's on the horizon. I can see that. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And Dad had given me some advice, and Mom calls me the next day, and she says, I, I want to I tweet that a little bit, and <laughs> I want to share a few other things with you. And we talk for a little while, and before she hangs up the phone, she says, Ray, I love you. And I say, Mom, I love you too. Next day she's gone. The last words that pass between my mother and me in this world are these words, I love you. And I will tell you something. Every day when I see my son or I saw my daughters, when they get up in the morning, I would tell them I love you because I don't, I don't ever want them to doubt. I don't want them to ever doubt. Sometimes, sometimes I call my sister. Sometimes I call my sister uh, Valerie, or sometimes I'll call my younger sister, because sometimes the way that they say things reminds me of the way my mom spoke, and I wish I, I wish I could just hear her voice again. I wish I could hear her say those things again. But I'm so glad that she said them. And so when I got off the phone with my dad now, when I call him and I talk to him, I make sure to tell him I love him before we hang up, because. Because if that's the last words we speak, because something happens, I want him to know I said it, and I want to know that I said it to him. When I say those things to my children, I want them to never doubt that I know it, or that I mean it, and I say I, that I've said it to them. And so listen, I'm happy to be here with you this week. And I, these messages from Matthew, they're not great sermons because they're my sermons. They're great sermons because this is the book of Matthew. This is what God has to say to you. These are life-changing messages. But if for some reason I don't get to say anything else to you, I want you to know this. I love you. I love you, many of you, because I've known you for so very long or I have happy memories with you. So many of you took me in. I was telling Charlie on our way down here today that so many of you I visited with you and I stayed in your homes when I was just about a year or two older than he is now. First time away from home. Many of you took me in and treated me like your family. were good to me and I love you for that. And I love you especially because you are God's people. You are God's people. I love you. Our Father in Heaven loves you. It doesn't, it doesn't lose its meaning the more you say it. It only loses its meaning when it's said by people that don't mean it. If there's anyone here this morning it sees their life coming apart. 
from the sins that they have committed. Listen, God can fix it. God can fix it. All things are possible with God. He calls upon you to repent. He calls upon you to look to Him and confess your faith to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of those sins. And then to walk arm in arm with Him afterwards. We invite you to do the same thing. Come while we stand and sing.